It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. And when government gets bigger, the individual gets smaller. The latest in politics and world affairs. For thee, but not for me. And I agree that we got to change that. Today's current opinions and ideas. If, in fact, you are working for the man, it's a new form of slavery. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. And welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so so much for joining us. You're each treasured, you're valued, you have purpose. Today, strive for excellence, take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And thank you to the team. I get to work with amazing people. That's producer Joe, producer Luke, and Rachel, Nicole, Zach, Echo, Charlie, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. And uh, just really appreciate the team. Check out my website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And uh, thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And uh, we are very excited. This week, we have pre-recorded amazing shows with amazing guests. And uh, so just really excited to bring these shows to you. And our special guest this uh, this hour is Alan Thomas. You know him. He is an author here at The Kim Munson Show. Alan Thomas it is great to have you here. It's great to be here, Kim. Thanks for having me. Can you believe that we are at the end of 2023? 2024 is right around the corner. Uh, you're a young guy, little kids. I mean, we look to 2024. I think there's apprehension, but there's hope. What are you thinking? It's it's a whole mix of things. You know, it's crazy how quickly life can speed by but at the same time it's treasuring those small moments you know i just had a new son this year so getting to spend lots of time with my family has been fantastic this season so looking forward to 2024 but like you said there you know in the in the political realm there's very rarely a season of of things not happening right Right. it's it's very easy to look at politics and and get down um but you just always have to have this optimistic mindset well, and when I say at the beginning of the show that you were made for this moment, I mean, I really do think, uh, and I've given several speeches on this, I, I really do believe that we are in the third founding of our country, which I, part of me is like, why did we have to get here? The other part of it is what an amazing time to be alive, uh, to be with you writing these articles, with uh, you guest hosting the show. That was awesome. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. And uh, there's a lot of moving parts, isn't there? There is. And, you know, it's kind of interesting the different aspects of our country when you talk about a third founding, right? Because, of course, you have the initial founding. You have this this tyranny. You have this monarchy. And you have these states saying, I think we can govern ourselves better. How, how should we go about this? And then you have that new country reconciling with some of its sins in the second founding with Abraham Lincoln and getting rid of slavery. And it's very interesting. Now we're reconciling with this tyranny of the progressive idea, this tyranny of of bureaucrats and experts. And how do we rediscover freedom and reestablish this country as a free country once again? And that's exactly where we are. And so here we are in this third founding of America. And when I say that we're made for this moment, sometimes I, I look at different people. I'm like... 
is that a is that James Madison or you know is this Thomas Jefferson or Thomas Paine because all those different personalities kind of brought something different to the table and, and they were titans of thought right they they didn't shy away from consuming knowledge but then also making it available to other people i mean you look at um, Alexander Hamilton and the amount of writings that he produced, they weren't shy to put their ideas forward. They weren't shy to, to use that self-assertion to live out a virtuous life. And that really is what defined a lot of great characters throughout history is this virtue, right? This ability to take their morality, their ethics, their philosophy, but then live it out through their lives. And that's what made them so influential and and that really should be a model for all of us to say you you can be somebody like that but you can't be some you can't be a madison a hamilton just sitting in your house you have to get out there and start putting these thoughts out into the world and but you have to also formulate these thoughts Mm -hmm. and they weren't just parroting uh things that they had read i mean they certainly were well read but they then used critical thinking as a child uh my father my mother would say put your thinking cap on and i actually mentioned that one time in some like three minute speech i did at liberty toastmasters and there was a young guy there and he goes I've never heard that before, thinking <laughs> cap. And, um, but I was always challenged to do critical thinking. And uh, so I think that's really important. And I think, I think that society as a whole, maybe we've gotten away from critical thinking, but I think that there's a, kind of a resurgence. People are all of a sudden scratching their head and saying, hmm, that doesn't make sense. Well, and it's, again, it's, it's, our society fully embracing this progressive idea. You don't have to think critically when the experts tell you how to live your life. You don't have to think about what foods you're going to eat, what you're going to buy, because the experts are going to tell you you need to buy electric vehicles. Okay, check. I don't need to think about anything. You need to eat a vegan diet. Okay, check. I don't need to think about anything. So we've really become a truly progressive society relying on experts and bureaucrats. And what's happened is, is we've seen a major failure of these bureaucrats. We've seen the the COVID overreaction. We're starting to see all of the effects that having a single goal mindset has. Parents are starting to see, oh, wait, maybe, maybe schools don't have my child's best interests at heart. Maybe I do need to look at what they're educating my child. We're just seeing failure after failure after failure of the bureaucratic state. And it's starting to get people thinking, well, gee, I, I've been taught my whole life to look up to experts, to look up to these Mm -hmm. PBIs. Well, now that I'm thinking critically, they're starting to alienate me, but I'm right. So maybe I need to start thinking for myself more often. Maybe I need to start being more of an individual and less reliant on just following society to where they lead. So I think that's where that resurgence is coming from, especially in the parental rights arena. You know, we've seen that unite across the party aisles, the, this mm-hmm. idea of these just books that are horrific. Unbelievable. I, I mean, to, to, to five-year-olds to, to be showing and, and listening to some of these insane ideas is really starting to unite people and really starting to get us into that critical thinking uh, aspect. And it's it's very critical and it's, it's going to be necessary if we want to have a successful third founding. And uh, so that's why I say we I really do believe that we are in our third founding. It's in this battle of ideas. And that ultimately 
war does come down to a battle of ideas. Ideally, you, you'd like to not to get there. Uh, but the third or the first founding was the could could men govern themselves? And Britain wanted to govern us, and they said no. And and then certainly again in the in the second founding, as you mentioned, uh, should one man be able? Ultimately, the question came down to should one man be property of another? The answer is no. And so it's this battle of ideas that's going on right now. So hence. You've been writing essays for the Kim Munson Show, and they're so thoughtful. And we'll just give a little teaser that something very special is going to be occurring in 2024 with Alan and the Kim Munson Show. And we'll just leave it at that. How's that? But uh, these essays are so uh, so thoughtful. And uh, so let's talk about what we'll be publishing uh, this weekend. You know, Kim, it follows in our our discussion. It's it's really looking at this season of hope and and what hope can we have for the next generation and really the inspiration came from you know Ronald Reagan had his famous freedom quote right freedom is never more than one generation away from being extinct and that's that's absolutely true i don't want to uh challenge that at all but at the same time i wanted to put a more hopeful perspective on it and i wanted to think hey what's the corollary like what's the opposite can we can we possibly say that freedom is never more than one generation from being fully realized and if we do want that hope for freedom as opposed to this hope against tyranny like reagan points out uh, what conditions do we need to start cultivating in, o- in order to sow this, this freedom in our future generations? Well, that, and I love that. That's an excellent, an excellent way to, to look at this. So what do we need to do, do you think, Alan Thomas? Well, in this article, I line out three different aspects. One, we need to start embracing individualism, uh, especially against this, you know, 800-pound gorilla of progressivism. We need to fully embrace the individual. Uh, The next uh, aspect is embracing virtue, you know, and, and virtue is an action. It's not just thoughts and ideas. We need to be citizens of action and the last one is of course the the third the fourth civic virtue which is civic education and, and really cultivating a generation that wants to learn about why their country works the way it works not just that it works and so we, yeah so let's talk about all of these different things here and uh, because um I guess just let's talk a little bit about embracing individualism. That does not mean that people can do whatever they want to when they want to. There, there's certainly some responsibility in individualism, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, it, it goes beyond you can be an individual in a society as well. It doesn't just have to be you as this single solitary point in human history. It's what is your role to society? It's thinking about what what responsibilities do you have in the societal fabric as well, along with what responsibilities do you as an individual have to yourself and to your family. So it's it's individualism, but it's individualism in the fact that you're you're not going to succumb to this uh, fallacy of authority, this idea that only the experts can tell me what's best for my life, only the experts can tell me how best to live my life. I need to take what they say and boil it down and, and reason with myself and think, hey, is that truly what's best for my family? Do I have my best interests at mind along with the best interests of my children more so than these experts do? Well, I think the answer on that is 
Most certainly, but we have trusted experts, and COVID was an excellent example of that. So, Alan, we're going to continue the conversation. Uh, We're going to be publishing your essay this weekend. But I wanted to mention thank yous. Uh, Thank yous to several different uh, entities that I get to work with as sponsors. First of all, the Harris family. I so appreciate their goal sponsorship of the show. And also the National Shooting Sports Foundation. The National Shooting Sports Foundation is an industry organization, but they do so much to make sure that um, we have the right to keep and bear our, our arms. Because if you can't legally produce, ship, and buy a firearm, then you can't bear it. And there is a reason why the founders have the Second Amendment right after the First Amendment. And uh, so certainly appreciate the National Shooting Sports Foundation for their goal sponsorship of the show. And then, Alan, I I am going to be starting my six-year solo, if you can believe this, in solo wow, broadcasting. congratulations. Thank you. And a sponsor that's been with me since before then is Hooters Restaurants. And uh, they have five locations, Loveland, Aurora, Lone Tree, Westminster, and Colorado Springs. And how I got to know them, it's such an interesting story about PBIs exerting power over and trying to control and and keep people out of business. So it's a story about PBIs and uh, freedom and capitalism and free markets. And people can find that story at my website as well. But I am very grateful for them as well. And so I'm talking with uh, Alan Thomas. Another great sponsor of the show is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. And uh, Roger and his team understand that there are unknowns that can keep you up at night. And that is why the Roger Mangan Team can help with life insurance and health insurance needs to replace lost income. So call Roger Mangan at 303-795-8855. For a complimentary appointment, like a good neighbor, Roger Mangan's insurance team is there. Most of us have been there. That surprise crunch when you backed into a car in a parking lot or someone rear-ended you at a stoplight. First thing you do is stop and breathe. Second, say a prayer of gratitude that no one was hurt. Third, look for your insurance card. And fourth, be grateful that you have your insurance with Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Agency. You can breathe easier knowing that you can reach the Roger Mangan team 24-7 when you need them. For that Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance peace of mind, call Roger Mangan today at 303-795-8855. That's 303-795-8855. Focused and wise marketing is essential for your success, especially during tough economic times. If you love the Kim Munson Show, strive for excellence and understand the importance of engaging in the battle of ideas that is raging in America. Then talk with Kim about partnership, sponsorship opportunities. Email Kim at KimMunson.com. Kim focuses on creating relationships with individuals and businesses that are tops in their fields. So they are the trusted experts listeners turn to when looking for products or services. Kim personally endorses each of her sponsors. Again, reach out to Kim at KimMunson.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. And we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And we are pre-recording our shows for this week of Christmas with uh, special guests and special uh, subjects here. Uh, My guest in studio 
as Alan Thomas. And before we get back to the conversation, the USMC Memorial Foundation is doing great work. I mean, we're, we are seeing here in America the tearing down of of statues and of monuments tearing down our history and if we tear down our history we don't know what it is and so that's why what they're doing with the remodel at the marine uh, memorial is so important and you can help them by contributing by going to usmcmemorialfoundation.org it's the end of the year and uh, your uh, donation will be tax deductible. So, again, help them out with the uh, raising the money for the remodel, and that is usmcmemorialfoundation.org. Okay, Alan Thomas, hope for the next generation. Uh, hope, uh, hope for the, you know, what, what we're looking at in 2024, because from a political standpoint, there's a lot of daunting things going on. But one of the first things you said is to, Embrace individualism and uh, no longer look to these experts for, you know, what they say. And I, I mean, I really had started to get to the point where I was not paying as much attention. I remember when they said coffee was bad for you. I drink coffee pretty regularly and quite a bit of it. Maybe I shouldn't drink that much, but I do. Uh, then I just saw a report the other day that they said drinking coffee could actually prevent receiving or getting covid and so it's bad, it's good. It's like, wait a minute. I remember when, you're probably too young, butter was bad. So margarine was the thing. But now we're finding having fat in your diet is important. So I, I'm kind of tired of the experts. It, it can get to be that way. You know, and the, the way they get away with this is they make it sound like embracing individualism is selfish, right? That you're just going to go out there and you're going to do everything to your best interests and you're a selfish person. And it's like, well, well, no, that's not what we're really talking about, is it? Because when we talk about embracing federalism or individualism, we're talking about embracing individualism within a framework of rules. We have a constitutional republic. So we have these set of rules to guide our behavior. So as long as you're operating within those rules, being an individual within those rules is actually for everyone's best benefit. Because when you can't harm the interests of another person, right? When I can't steal from you, well, that's a good thing. And when I can go and I can create value and I can say, hey, look what I've created. Would you like to purchase it? And you can say yes or no and act in your own best interest. That's for the betterment of society because the truly valuable things will become better. And when I say you need to embrace being an individual with your family, well, you know, we have kids that have just so many different interests and grow up in so many different ways and have their own individual issues. It's difficult for me to say, hey, your kid has to do this. Well, you know, what if you have a wheelchair bound kid and can't do it? Or what if you have a, a child that has special needs and can't do that one thing that the experts say every kid should do? Well, all of a sudden, these top down rules don't make sense. And you need to do what's best for your child and in producing children that will become a benefit to society. And you as the parent want that, right? We all want what children that will benefit society, that will integrate into society, that won't infringe on the rights of others, that won't be, you know, felons or burglars. And we want children that will be good. And so you can only do that if you truly embrace this individualism and say, you know what, I do know what's best for my kids. I'm going to take what the experts are telling me 
and definitely listen to them. But there might be times where, you know, the expert says, hey, butter's terrible. And you look over at the French and you say, well, they've been doing it for quite a while and they've been pretty successful using butter and everything. So maybe it's not the butter. Maybe it's something else. Maybe there's other issues behind the issue that you're talking about and be able to say, you know what, at least for us and our family, we're going to put butter on. Mm-hmm. And it could be that there are sometimes too much butter can certainly be. Right. Uh, what was that? My friend um, Joel Vecchio said, Every, everything in moderation except moderation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. Anything else on embracing individuals? And talk, I, I think, uh, talk a little bit more about the founders on, I mean, this was really the first time ever in history that we would focus on the individual. And I guess that was... Uh, you know, when Jefferson said that all men are created equal with these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, I guess that would be really the mantra of individualism because each individual created in the image of God is valued and treasured, and so then they should have these rights. So I, th- I think that's... Well, and it, it was even even greater than that. And in studying the Federalist Papers, one of the interesting things Hamilton points out is is they really wanted to get a government that involved individuals because they noticed that all these other governments, all the republics that we had tried before, never involved every citizen. So how were we able to get a government that all citizens could be active and engaged in, but also not rely on a pure democracy, right? Because we tend to be, uh, you know, the wolves is a perfect Mm -hmm. example here in Colorado. You know, the front range, the Denver, all the big metropolises said, yeah, wolves in Colorado is a great thing. All the rural Coloradans up near Wyoming said, "Um, no, this is not a good thing. But since it was a ballot initiative, it goes out. And as long as a majority of Coloradans agree, we are now introducing wolves to the detriment of our neighbors. So it was how do we bring the individuals into our government and get them interested in their federal government, but also keep the federal government small enough to where they wouldn't have to be too interested. And it's a it's a difficult push pull because on one hand, you don't want your federal government so involved in your life that you have to watch it every single day. And when when our country was founded, that's how it was. You initially were thinking, OK, our federal government's doing something. They should be protecting our border. That's their first and, mm-hmm. and major proper role that they were supposed to fulfill. But you know what? The federal government really shouldn't be involved in my in my milk business. Yeah, it's you know, (laughs) they shouldn't be involved in everything that I do, but I still want to be interested enough to hold them accountable. And that was where the founders used uh, the individual to try and bring them into the government, but also to hold the government accountable by saying, hey, look. You're not just accountable to all the state legislatures. You're not just accountable to these elected officials. You're accountable to every single person in America, and they're going to hold you accountable. Well, and I'm going to pull out my uh, constitution here then. And uh, you mentioned accountable to states and individuals, but which amendment was it that – because they had put this balance of power where the states would elect the senators. So during this progressive movement, there was the income tax, which, again, started to treat people differently. And, of course, Marxism, under Karl Marx, communism is a um, an income tax and a progressive income tax is something that, that they really um, support. And starting to 
tax people's income, their productivity, that's a real problem. But anyway, I'm going to find this regarding, uh, I think it was like 1914 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think it was like number 18 or 19 when they changed the Senate to being a popular vote of the people as opposed to uh, keeping it within the like you said, the state legislatures, mm-hmm. because the Senate was supposed to be the state's house. It was supposed to protect states' rights from the federal government and that, that conflict that states and the federal government were supposed to have, saying, hey, no, federal government, that's not something you should be involved in. That's a state issue. Right. And so that you had the states with the, uh, electing the Senate. You had the popular vote for the House of Representatives, and it was the 17th Amendment in 1913. And then the 16th Amendment was also 1913, and that was the income tax amendment. So you can see those things that were being put in place at that time are playing out. And I mean, I I really think the uh, 17th Amendment really started to help put in this bigger and bigger government and bureaucratic state. Well, and that's the importance of, I know we're kind of skipping a little bit, but that's the importance of civic education is the the Senate was designed for a purpose. And and when you tinker with the purpose, when you change the dynamic of how the government operates without knowing the purpose of why it operates, you're going to change things and have unintended consequences that you never even thought of. And I don't think a lot of people understand the importance of this friction that states and the federal government are supposed to have. It's for the good of controlling and shackling down the federal government and keeping control at the local level because you want the most control to be at the most localized point that it can be. You know, when you look at your municipalities, they're going to have codes and laws that we would never want the federal government to have because there's there's issues that affects a municipality that may not affect every single person in the country. So the federal government should not be interested in it. And same with the state. This, each state has different issues that affect what it does that it might be right for Colorado to have a law that Mississippi shouldn't. Or it might be right for Maine to have a law that a Hawaii shouldn't because Hawaii is an island state. It has so many different issues that affects it differently than every other state in the union. But if you take Hawaii's ideas and try and promote them at a federal level, well, all of a sudden you have an issue, right? And that's when you should have Colorado, California saying, whoa, 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 you know, these these import-export things don't apply to us. So don't, don't take Hawaii's problems and make them everybody else's. But now we've lost that. We now have this popularly elected Senate that no longer protects the rights of the states, the sovereignty of the states at the federal level. So when we mess with that, again, we mess with this idea that states should have sovereignty, but we also introduced this mob mentality, this pure democracy into every aspect of our legislative branch and the whims of the people are now what senators and, and our representatives look at, as opposed to what the Senate was supposed to be. It was supposed to be this forward-looking branch of the legislative government that, you know, our senators are in there for six years. They're supposed to take a more long-term approach, but now we see senators moved by the wills and the whims of the public, and they were supposed to be insulated from that, and we were supposed to get away from this mob rule and the dangers of a pure democracy through the Senate, and we've lost that aspect of our government today. Do you think, have you done enough research on history 
why this was proposed after all those years in 1913. I haven't, no. I've just been looking at its effects afterwards. I'm cynical enough now to say, did they know what they were doing? Uh, Because we see so many different of these progressive policies, and as they play out, it's created more and more power, concentrated more and more power. And uh, I, I imagine there are people that that said, oh, this is a good idea, and people obviously bought into it. But Well, uh, and you know, when incentives align, you don't need a conspiracy, right? I mean, when, of course, you're going to have the demagogues, you're going to have the leaders that say, and, and again, the, the fascinating thing about the Federalist Papers is they, they predict all of this, and they warn against all of this. They say, hey, you know, you're going to get lots of leaders that tell you rights are important, but they're going to be pseudo rights right and they called out this whole women's rights and trans rights and Mm -hmm. they're going to say hey they're going to say your rights are being attacked and they're going to use that fear against you they're going to use that fear to consolidate power and so you know whether whether back when this was when this amendment 17 was passed whether that was a concerted effort or whether that was literally just people being uneducated about their government we're kind of past the point of it mattering, right? Because at the same time, I know what types of arguments they use to get it passed. They used, hey, you should be involved in your Senate. Right now, only the state legislators do. Right. Look at How do you know that they have your best interests at heart? You know, and, and you sit here and you go, well, everyone had to elect their state senators too. Like, you know, right. you see all these arguments at play and these arguments that were foretold to us by many of our founders saying, Hey, if you have the right civic education, if you live a virtuous life, if you, the populace, are willing to stand up for your rights and hold your government accountable, you don't have to worry about these things. You don't have to worry about your rights being infringed because they're protected by the Constitution. So when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, your your rights are, are being challenged, you should look at them and go, hey, I know better than that, buddy. You're just trying to make me fear something and vote for you, and you're going to sit there and, and consolidate power. Boy, excellent points on that, Alan Thomas. And uh, these are such important discussions to have, uh, looking at long-term consequences of what's going on. And uh, we get to have these great conversations because we have great sponsors. And one of those great sponsors is Karen Levine. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has nearly 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine works to protect your property rights at the local, county, state, and national level. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Working with realtor Karen Levine helps you navigate through the process of buying or selling your home. Call Karen Levine to help you buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. A recent report notes that the number of children diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder is consistently and dramatically increasing. This is heartbreaking. If your child or grandchild or someone you know has been diagnosed with autism or ADHD following exposure to Tylenol or acetaminophen during pregnancy, call Boson Law at 303-999-9999. Boson Law is a Colorado-based law firm who has been fighting Big Pharma for over 20 years. Call now at 303-999-9999 for a free, no-obligation review of your potential claim. Call now at 303-999-9999. 
All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests as well as our most recent essays. We'll be rolling out this really excellent essay uh, that Alan Thomas has written. So be sure and be signed up for that. And uh, you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. I did want to mention the Center for American Values. Uh, I so love the work that they do. They're nonpartisan. They're nonpolitical. They're focused on the these educational programs to instill in ourselves and our children these values of America, of honor, integrity, and patriotism. I mean, gosh, what more can they there be than that? That is so great. And then also honoring our Medal of Honor recipients. Uh, I'd recommend that you put the family in the car and take a trip down to Pueblo to the Center for American Values. You can get more information by going to AmericanValueCenter.org. That's AmericanValueCenter.org. Alan Thomas. We're talking about embracing individualism. That's one of the first things. And great discussion on this. But as you know, I served on city council um, for four years, 2012 to 2016. And we talk about government being local. And and what I have seen is, is individuals will put a lot of trust in local government. And we've actually seen a number of people that get into local government that... Once that once they get there, instead of realizing that they are there as representatives of the individual, they're there and they think, you know, how can I drive revenue so that we can put in trails or a art center or whatever? And what and and this actually happened after I was on city council. I realized that when we talk about local government, the most local of all government is ourselves and how we govern ourselves that goes to our families and then to local government to put a lot of power into local government i think is a is a big mistake it is a mistake and and the point is that the local power should be proper still right it should still have its proper purpose and what we fail to say at times is that, you know, we talk about the proper role of our federal government, but we, we sometimes fail to rein in our local government because the local government is there to address local concerns and local issues that affect the communities. And and when they're passing laws that are correct, that are right, and that are proper, we should be saying, hey, good job. That's, that's something we need to address. Um, but a lot of times you can get your neighbors into these roles and they're ill-suited for them. Mm-hmm. And what we need then is, again, active and engaged citizens. I mean, how many people vote in these municipal elections? It's slow. It's it, really low. You, you get – and that's why is you just don't have these citizens that understand the type of power and control these local municipalities, these metro districts mm-hmm. have over their lives. Parks and, it's and rec just, districts. It's this lack of education, right? It's this lack of civic education. Not only on our federal government, not only on our state government, but all the way down the line. I mean, you look at the taxing districts for when you pull up your house, I'm sure there are 16, 17, if not more, that are all you're you're paying all these mill levies into. And yet how many of these are governed by elected officials? Quite a Um, bit of them. Almost all of them. And, And yet 
if you weren't involved in the electing of those people, how do you know that they truly have your best interest in mind? And and that's the issue that we're running into is these local issues were supposed to be things that we as a community said, hey, you know, Jack and Jill over there, they're best suited to try and tackle some of these issues. But if they do it wrong, we're going to go to Jack and Jill and tell them, hey, you're not doing this the proper way. Like, this is hurting our community. You need to stop that. We need to find a different way to address these issues. And and we have a major problem in America of our rule makers, our legislatures, our municipalities coming up with an idea, it failing, and then them doubling down on that idea. The inability for our elected officials to say they were wrong just just proves how much how far we've come from being true statesmen you know the the statesmen of old would say hey you know what this didn't work let's try something else let let's repeal that law let's try and figure out a different way but you know we as republicans even when we had a majority over everything we couldn't even repeal obamacare we couldn't even say hey that's a terrible idea we can all unite and say it hasn't done what it's supposed to do let's get rid of it and come up with something else and that would be the responsibility and and you know we're always talking about the battle of the narrative and you just mentioned two things lawmakers which made me think law enforcement Actually, they're not supposed to be lawmakers. They're supposed to be representatives of the people. Mm -hmm. And law enforcement used to be called peacekeepers, keeping the peace in a community. And and one of the things that you do is you make sure people don't steal. But uh, anything else on – there is one other thing I wanted to mention, and that is is local government needs to make sure, though, that it also – Uh, falls under this vision of our declaration that all men are created equal with these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I was on city council, I had a young person that said, and and it was actually regarding the whole issue around Hooters, and they said, because there was a a bunch of people that showed up and said they didn't want to have Hooters receive a a liquor liquor license. And I looked at it, and it's like, that's, that's not the proper role of government to have interested parties use their power to use elected representatives to stop somebody else having a legal business. This was before COVID, and I I just saw some real risk in that. And so I said, yes, it is the job of your local representatives to do the will of the people, but the will of the people has to fall within this context of the declaration. So if the will of the people is that everybody that has blonde hair pays double in taxes, it's the will of the people. It's the rule of the, the mm-hmm. mob, but it goes totally against the Constitution and the Declaration. And I think it's important that people understand that. It is. And, but, you know, there is this kind of nuance to that, right? Because it is the job of your, of your local governments to be more moral than we want our federal government to be, right? It is okay for municipalities to say, hey, you know what? We don't want this strip club put in across from a school. Like, it is okay to say we don't want this triple X video store available to all of our kids, so we're not going to allow you to do that. It is the point of a locality is more morality based than our federal government. And it is okay for for local control to happen that way. But as you said, it it also comes into this, this whole framework of what are laws and rule and order for and who's going to enforce them? If it's perfectly fine for Hooters to apply for a liquor license in your municipality 
and you're telling them no just because of you, that's where you run into issues because then you don't have law and order. Then you just have, hey, what what personalities want this, that, or the other? Mm -hmm. That's why that's the importance of rule of law is you have to enforce the rule of law equally across everyone. So if you have a rule of law in your municipality that says we don't want strip clubs in our municipality, that's our that's our local community. That's us saying we don't want this around our kids. That's perfectly okay. But if you don't have that rule, you don't have that um, ordinance, and then you just tell the strip club, hey, actually, we don't like you, so we don't want you here. Well, that's the wrong way to go about it. So, and to that point, uh, because... Uh, there has been a Supreme Court question regarding, like, strip clubs. And so each municipality, I think it falls under a freedom of speech uh, ruling on that, is that they cannot totally say no. There just has to be certain areas that are zoned for that. That was something that I I learned when I was on city council. Uh, And they did that under freedom of speech. Uh, So with that... Regarding the the um, Pride Fest and the well the drag shows in Douglas County at the fairgrounds, uh, I had reached out to the uh, um, commissioners and I said that you know because they were they were saying this is a freedom of speech speech issue and I, I mean I always like to protect freedom of speech, but uh, what I said is is that's not appropriate and that there is or a, a place where you could have ordinances where that could be in an area that is designated for that under an ordinance, and then you cover yourself under freedom of speech. Um, I'm not sure they took my advice on that, but uh, anyway, that's what I suggested. You know, and one of the ways they they talked about it is they said they did have dress codes. They had these codes that the parade then had to meet, and there would be consequences if they didn't, right? Mm -hmm. And, And I felt like that was more appropriate than not. The issue I have surrounding Pride Fest and Pride rallies and all that is more of a cultural issue. Um, that there are there's a desire for them, not the fact that they're even happening. It, it shows a cultural decay that we have, that we as a community have enough members of our community that want to go to these. It, it shows us as Christians being ineffective and saying, hey, there's so much more you could live for. This is something that's not appropriate for kids. This isn't appropriate for for adults and families to go to but you have families bringing their little children to these events and desiring that for their children so that's something we need to approach at the heart and the soul of the nation less so than these top-down edicts and saying hey we don't want this so instead of going after the heart and the soul of the individual we're going to just try and knock you out of here so i i do see it sometimes we as conservatives we talk about not wanting to use force until we want to use force and then we try and use it you know it's a good point so instead we should be going after the heart and the soul of the country which is a lot more difficult because we've reached a stage where you know people are leaving the church like crazy we have progressivism in our church and that's a lot more difficult of a solution to actually go out into your community and be this influence for virtuous living than it is just to say, you know what, I don't want Pride Fest in my neighborhood, so I'm just going to create a rule to get rid of it. That doesn't a- a- address the the cultural rot that we have within our communities. Well, and, you know, and, and to that is, I mean, we have to make the case of is it really appropriate for grown men 
to dress up as women and dance provocatively in front of young children. I mean, that's the bottom. And, and I guess there's some people that say that's okay. Well, but and, and to that point, I, I do want to say, like, that's why I agreed with what the county commissioners did, is they said, hey, we're going to have a, a, a code of conduct. Like, you're not allowed to dance provocatively. You're not allowed to strip down in front of children displaying body parts all over. So if you violate that code of conduct, you're we're going to have issues and they should enforce that code of conduct. What I, and I agree that that is absolutely inappropriate and that we as a community, again, that comes down to this local issue, we as a community should be protecting our children. And that's where I think the control should be is at the community level. This shouldn't be a federal issue. This shouldn't be a top down. Hey, you know what? The federal government is going to say what books should and shouldn't be in each educational district. That is something that the Douglas County, uh, Board of Education should say this book is inappropriate for children. It will not be in our libraries. You can go to Amazon. You can go to Barnes and Noble. If you want to get it for your kid, go ahead. But we're not going to make that available to our kill- our children. That's the appropriate use of local morality. That's the appropriate response of local municipalities is to do that. And that's where we have this civic education Uh, this need for it is we need to say we have too many people going to the federal government and saying the federal government should be doing this to everyone this is inappropriate for for everyone everywhere and it's like no you need to start at your community first and you need to be at that point and insert yourself there in your community and protect your children there and engage in that battle of ideas exactly ask for transparency Uh, i think when things are hidden and people don't know what's going on that's a real problem so the transparency component of it is i think really really important 100 percent. the discussion is so good with you alan thomas it always is uh and so uh, we're going to continue we only have one more segment can you believe it it goes by so quick i know (laughs) Uh, but we get to do this uh, because of our sponsors i know each and every one of our sponsors personally and i highly recommend them and one of those sponsors is lauren lovey If you are 62 or older, a reverse mortgage could be a great tool regarding retirement and estate planning. It is essential to understand the process. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group has nearly 20 years in the mortgage industry and has the experience to answer your questions. Lauren understands that each financial transaction is personal. If you'd like to explore your options on a reverse mortgage, remodel your home, buy a rental property, or move, Call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Licensed in 49 states, Kim Monson highly recommends Lauren Levy for all your mortgage needs. Call Lauren at 303-880-8881. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of the Kim Monson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMonson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, Franktown Firearms Training Programs have something for every age and skill level in the friendliest gun range in town. With highly skilled men and women instructors, you're sure to find the right instructor for your needs. Franktown's 10-lane, 30-yard shooting range provides the right place to train where you feel confident and ready to learn. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned veteran, Franktown Firearms will meet your needs. Training runs from simple gun safety and care to obtain your concealed carry permit or honing your skills with advanced tactical moving and shooting. The Special Forces Green Beret trainer has you covered. And women, you won't want to miss Ladies Night the first Friday of each month where you can bond and train together. 
Gift certificates for training are available or for anything in their fully stocked store. And Franktown is a faster Colorado certified training site. Just go to klzradio.com slash franktown to get shooting today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Uh, We are pre-recording for this week of uh, Christmas. And uh, really wish you all a, a very Merry Christmas. I hope, hope you had a great Christmas and uh, prosperity in 2024. Something big that happened in 2023 was the release of A Climate Conversation, this documentary that I'm involved in. It's the brainchild of Walt Johnson. And you can watch it uh, for free by going to aclimateconversation.com. We'll be rolling out Alan Thomas's most f- uh, recent essay this weekend. And we're talking about, you know, Reagan's speech about, or a quote, that, that freedom is just one generation away, but freedom is uh, in one generation. We'll preserve that for posterity as well. So we each have that responsibility. And that's really, I think, more where your, your essay goes, uh, Alan. Right. And it's, you know, what do we need to cultivate to create this generation that aspires towards freedom and pushes this country more towards it and, and away from tyranny, away from uh, you know, communism, Marxism, fascism, all of these tyrannical means. And one of the most important aspects, I think, you know, we've talked about civic education, understanding how and why our country was built and understanding the institutions and and how and why they were constructed and what their their purpose is. We've talked about the, the importance of an individual and in, in abandoning this this concept and this idea of relying on experts in the bureaucratic state. But, you know, really one of the most important aspects that we need to have in our own lives is this idea of virtue. And, you know, when we talk about virtue, I I feel like a lot of people throw that word out there without really fully understanding what it is and what it means, because virtue is much more than just morality or ethics. Right. And and it's funny, uh, your old producer, Steve Ebling, reached out to me. We had a show where we were talking about morality and ethics versus virtue. And, you know, virtue is an action. It's an action word. And that's why it's so important in our political landscape. That's why the founders focus so much on the the civic virtues of self-reliance, self-restraint, self-assertion is because those are actions. They're not just thoughts. They're not ideas. They're not somebody sitting behind a microphone talking about something. They are actions that you actually have to perform. They're behaviors. And it's so important to this American idea. And it's so important to freedom because when you have self-restraint, it's more than just talking about, hey, I have this reliance. You know, I can sit here behind the microphone and say we need to have self-reliance all day. But if I don't go out there and actually make myself self-reliant, if I don't make sure I live a life to where I don't have to rely on the government for handouts, well, then my words were empty. And my words actually were not just only empty. They led to an exact opposite result. They led to 
they led to me being dependent on the government and the government being able to say, hey, look, another one that's dependent on me. I need to be bigger. Mm -hmm. So virtue is so much more than just words because it, it requires us to actually live out what we're speaking. And these three virtues that I just listed, the reliance, restraint and assertion are so important to American politics because they create, they naturally create an active and engaged citizen in this, this whole experiment that we have here in America. So there are those, and I would say it's elitist that say, but government has to step in because there are people that are not smart enough to be self-assertive, self, uh, um, have self-restraint, self-assertion. I mean, have you ever heard that? I have. And, you know, that's important because we don't. And I fully agree. Right now, we have a very uneducated voter block. But if we have, if we tell every citizen they need to be self-reliant in thought, that means they're going to go out and learn. That means they're going to go out and learn about human nature. They're going to have to become self-reliant in thought to not have to rely on these elitists to tell them how best to live their life because they're going to be able to say, hey, you know what? We read the same thing. We, re we read Nietzsche. We read all these other different scientists. And you know what? I don't think you're interpreting that correctly. I don't think you're right about how my family should live. So I, I do agree with the symptom that we have an uneducated populace, I disagree with how to eradicate that symptom, right? There's two different methods of cure, and they're sitting here saying, well, the cure should be more and more progressivism. And my cure is, well, we need more and more active and virtuous citizens. And by becoming virtuous citizens, they're going to become more educated. Okay. Next question. We've got just a few minutes left, and we talk about virtue and uh, virtuous uh, citizens, and we look to the founders, and people will say, well, uh, Hamilton in his personal, uh, personal life wasn't that virtuous. I mean, he did some things, or you could look at Benjamin Franklin. I mean, they were, they were Thomas Jefferson. I mean, they were men that, and, and women that uh, did things that probably wouldn't hit a virtue, uh, you know, a, a definition on something. So how, how do you address that? Well, and there's different aspects of virtue, right? I mean, you, you definitely could not say that, uh, Thomas Jefferson was not self-assertive, could you? You, you mm -hmm. could definitely say that Alexander Hamilton asserted his ideas and and writ, wrote them for everyone to listen to and to debate and to try and uh, argue with. So, yes, absolutely. Do Were they perfect? No. But they, they proposed some pretty excellent ideas for us to now talk about and debate. 200 years later, we're still talking about them. So they must have done something somewhat right for them to have created enough value for us to be talking about it today. So uh, on one hand, let's talk about the ideas. On the other hand, did they leave perfect, virtuous lives? No, but you and I both think that there's only one person that's ever lived that life, and we're going to be celebrating his birthday here in a couple days, and he's the reason for the season, right? But so we do need to approach some of this with a little bit of grace, because I'm certainly not 100% virtuous in everything that I do as well. So but that doesn't take away from the fact that virtue is a goal, right? Mm -hmm. It's a goal that you may not ever fully realize. It's a goal that none of us may 
ever, may not ever fully realize. I'm sure there's plenty of times that Thomas Jefferson wishes he was more self-assertive, that he would have been out there more often than he was. And there's times where he probably should have held a little bit more restraint than he did. But it's this pursuit of a goal. It's this pursuit of being self-restrained, self-reliant, and self-assertive that creates, again, an active and engaged citizen. And we certainly can't accuse the Founding Fathers of being uh, pulled back and, and not being active in their government. And that is actually, I think this is uh, kind of the takeaway that, that we might leave people with, because you, were, you and I were talking in between uh, different segments about the idea, not the politician, the idea, not the person. And I think that's also the thing with uh, virtue. Is this a virtuous idea? Is this something that we can aspire to live out to? So your final thought, Alan Thomas. I completely agree. And, you know, the most important part, the one thing that the founders definitely looked down upon was this political leadership. They said, you know what, if you're self-reliant, you don't need a political leader to look up to. I can take away from Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis what I want to take from them. I can take from Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy. I can pull different ideas that they have that I agree with, but then also say, you know what, some of these other things I don't like that each one of them has done because I don't need to look up to them for as my political leaders because I'm self-reliant of thought. I have this self-assertion that says, hey, I'm going to challenge you on this idea and on this thought. So the founders really saw if you're a virtuous, if you're an active and engaged citizen, you don't need to look up to leaders. You don't need to have a political leader to tell you how and what to think. They truly were the anti-progressives before they even knew progressivism was going to come out because they said, listen, you don't want that. You want to be an individual. You want to be in charge of your life. You want to have the freedom to have tea, to have a piece of paper without the government taxing it. So let's get government out of our lives. Let's let you live an individual life that you can live to your own self-interest within the rules, within the boundaries of this constitutional republic. And let's just let people live as free lives as they can. And you know what? Yeah, that's going to be a little scary at times because that it, it can be scary to have freedom. It is a lot more secure to have somebody tell you exactly how to live. You, when you mess up, you can blame it on them, not yourself. But you know what? Let's have this scary freedom because it's worth living. Absolutely, Alan Thomas. So thank you. Our quote for the end of the show is from JFK. He says, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And so my friends today, be grateful. Read great books. Think good thoughts. Listen to beautiful music. Communicate and listen well. Live honestly and authentically. Strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you. God bless America. And stay tuned for hour number two. And I don't want no one to cry. But tell them if I don't survive, I was born free. I was born free. I was born free. The views and opinions expressed on KLC 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. And when government gets bigger, the individual gets smaller. The latest in politics and world affairs. For thee, but not for me. And I agree that we got to change that. 
today's current opinions and ideas. If, in fact, you are working for the man, it's a new form of slavery. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. And welcome to hour number two of the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. Uh, for this week of Christmas, we have pre-recorded our interviews and... Uh, uh, our normal second hour every Wednesday is Trent Luce. You know him, sixth generation farmer and rancher. And uh, so we wanted to talk with him about, we always talk about big ideas, but the big ideas looking into 2024, hope, what does Christmas mean, all those kinds of things. So Trent Luce, welcome to the show. Well, I know that I'm getting older and my memory's kind of going, Ken, but you said this is our second hour. It seems like we've just started. <laughs> <laughs> That's because we're pre-recording for the second hour, Trent Luce. Oh, we didn't do an hour already? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm I trying thought to... I, I thought I got into the eggnog a little late early. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm trying to manage expectations for our listeners so they understand what is going on. So this is... See? Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't you start the show talk about freedom versus force, and here you are trying to force your management of the listener's <laughs> ideas? You should just let the listener be free range and learn from these things, not manage them. Well, I, well, I did. I wanted okay. I wanted to have. I wanted to be totally honest, though. I don't want people to think that we're live when, in essence, we have pre-recorded. So I, I think feel it's alive. Are you dead? <laughs> a live, a live, <laughs> a live show. I thought it would be virtuous to manage that expectation. Virtuous. So that, that actually, we just had talked to Alan Thomas, and, and he's our number one. And we were talking about these, uh, these things about um, a society, a virtuous society, civic knowledge, self-assertion, self-reliance, self-restraint, all of those kinds of things. So, or just transparent. Are transparent. That's a good thing too. That's a good thing too. So, yeah, it's I'm been actually challenging myself now to see how long I can keep talking about nothing. <laughs> so this is going to be the Jerry Seinfeld, uh, what, Kim Munson show. For What's that? What did you wear for Christmas? What did I wear for Christmas? <laughs> I uh, <laughs> let's see. I'm going to go to. Um, I actually I have a red jacket. No, I. You know what? I have a plaid jacket that I normally wear on um, on Christmas Eve, and so that's what I'm going to wear. How about you, Trent Luce? What did you wear? Uh, same thing every day: jeans, shirt, and a rag. Okay. But you probably have a, a Christmas rag. A, you know, you probably have different ones for different oh, seasons. Yeah. Oh. No, I have, a, I have a rag. It's a rag. I don't have a Christmas rag. Huh. Okay, that's good to know. Well, let's talk a little bit. We're, okay, let's just see how we keep this going. I, let's talk about Trent Luce <laughs> and the lard that your family produces. Oh, yeah. Because lard is, I actually, I have a Christmas cookie recipe that is my great-grandmother's. And the family story is, is that she immigrated from Germany and that she used to make that 
these cookies for she worked for royalty there. That's the you know that's the family story anyway, and she apparently was the equivalent of an indentured servant. Uh, she had to work for a family in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, to work off her passage to America. And then ended up marrying my great-grandfather, who whisked her off to the uh, plains of western Kansas, where they lived in a two-room sod house with a bunch of kids. And I'm thinking, she's probably thinking Germany looked pretty good back then. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, she has this amazing spice cookie recipe that we basically don't share it with anybody. You have to be in the family, but one of the ingredients is lard. Are you telling me that next week when I see you in Denver, I need to bring you some lard? Yes. Is that what you're telling me? Yes. Okay, deal. Yep. yep. I want to charge you 10 bucks. Yeah, you won't charge me 10 bucks for lard. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it's the season for giving. I got a good deal on lard, Kim. That's a good deal for my little container. Okay. Well, I and you know what? I do not expect people to give me stuff for free, so I'll pay you for that. No, no, I don't want you to pay me. I want to gift it to you. It's okay. my Christmas gift to you. I mean, who else can say they, I gave I got a gift of lard for Christmas. <laughs> I gave a pound of lard to Kim Munson for Christmas. How's that? Two pounds. Two pounds. <laughs> Two pounds. Okay. Well, then you probably what should be coming in return is some of these cookies. Uh, and uh, hopefully that you'll like them. I mean... I have all these great memories of these cookies as kids. So I'm one of 24 grandchildren. And uh, there was uh, primarily, it was primarily girls. And we used to play on all holidays where weather would allow Annie Annie over. Did you ever play that game as a child? I do not remember playing Annie Annie over. Okay. And what it is, is we would select teams. Half of the teams would be on one side of my grandparents' house. The other half would be on the other side. And we would stand there and we would throw a ball over the house. And as you got uh, ready to throw the ball, you'd say, Annie, Annie, over. So they were prepared for the ball to come over. And then if they caught it, if somebody on their team caught it, you would never know because you're on the other side. Then the strategy was to run around and then tag somebody on the other side. And normally the goal was for the other side to tag the fastest person on the other side. So there was strategy and all that. And we, with one ball and one house, played for hours. I loved that game. How many new windows did Grandpa and Grandma get as a result of that? (laughs) Fortunately, there weren't that many windows on that side of the house. You've obviously seen me throw. I throw like a girl. But we did not use a baseball. We used something that was a lot, a lot. I hadn't thought about that for quite some time. But And then... We had our two older male cousins, and they the rule was they couldn't be on the same team. But obviously, when you started the game, it was the goal is to try to get that cousin on your team because that was kind of like being on Boardwalk or Park Place, a Monopoly. Oh, sure. If you had the two older male cousins on your team, you're probably going to win. But it was a lot of fun. And uh, I think there were probably some injuries whenever you have kids running around wildly and uh, jumping over retaining walls and a variety of things. I think there were some injuries, but we were very resilient. I would be, I'd be willing to bet, Kim, that what you just described is exactly what I experienced on both my mother's and father's side of the family for Christmas and about every holiday. All the cousins would get together with aunts and uncles. Uh, I'm going to 
perception that that doesn't happen at the same levels today that it once did. For the main reason, you know, we're much more scattered out as families today than we were in the 70s and 80s. Well, I think that's true. And uh, so I guess it's good to share these memories, at least with our younger people, so that they understand that. So, uh, Trent Luce, you and I have uh, actually accomplished something. We've gone through one segment and been able to talk about absolutely nothing. I just like they. I, I, I disagree with you adamantly. There may be nothing we've ever talked about more important than family members getting together at Christmas or holidays and sharing with one another and creating those memories. That might be the most important conversation we've ever had. Well, you know what? I have to agree with you. I think that is true. So I'm talking with Trent Luce, sixth-generation farmer and rancher. And uh, as you all know, I'm an independent voice, and we get to do this because I have wonderful sponsors. And one of those great sponsors is the Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Team. And Roger's been in business for 47 years, helping his customers, taking care of his family, and giving back to the community. So for uh, Roger and his team to become your insurance agent and a complimentary appointment, call 303-795. 8855. Like a good neighbor, Roger Mangan's team is there. And one of my really great sponsors is Lauren Levy. He is an expert in anything mortgages, whether or not it's a new mortgage, a second mortgage, or a reverse mortgage. He works with a lot of different companies, which is great because that means there's all kinds of creativity and innovation and choices. And uh, he can help uh, people in 49 of the 50 states. Uh, does not work in New York. Uh, Lauren Levy, we're pre-recording all these shows for this week. They're, they're golden. They're just gold. And so we're pre-recording this as well uh, for Christmas week. And we're looking into 2024. Um, what do you think about 2024? And do you have any uh, New Year's resolutions? I think with the, what's happened the last two to three weeks here, with just the uh, Federal Reserve and things like that, 2024 is really shaping up to be an interesting and good year. Okay. Um, rates have come down from people that have purchased in the last six months or even a year that were seeing rates in the 75 to 8%, which we were at for a while. They're now coming back down quite a bit into the mid to lower sixes we're seeing now, which is not only providing an opportunity for affordability for people to buy homes they maybe thought they couldn't afford the monthly payment, and now they can, but also people that have purchased homes in the last... You know, up to the last 18 months, I would say there's a possibility that if you have a, you know, a seven or a seven and a quarter or a six, eight, seven, five rate to take a look at it and see if you can't save money through a refinance right now. And so you, if people did that, d- does it cost a whole bunch to do a refinance or what does no, that No, I mean, like? there's closing costs, but we can help people with that quite a bit. You know, for your listeners, I always cover the appraisal, which is a big, it's one of the biggest charges besides underwriting. It's about $650 mm-hmm. for an appraisal. So I cover that for the listeners. And so that helps right there. But whenever possible, we try to cover more. And so there always, there's always costs. There's always going to be a new loan to underwrite and title charges and someone has to do the closing. But a lot of that we can cover. And, uh... But at the end of the day, if I always tell people, you know, if I was going to come to your house and say, hey, look, I can save you $300 a month. I'm going to hand you $300 on the first of every month. All you got to do is a little bit of paperwork. Mm-hmm. Most people are like, well, when you put it that way, it sounds like a yeah. pretty good deal, you know. Yeah. Um, and every, like, you, like we talk about on your show constantly, everyone's stretched right now. Inflation, they say, is coming down, but we're all still feeling it. And a few hundred dollars every month is a lot. It, well, and why pay it to a bank if you don't have to? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, for people to keep more of their own money is mm-hmm. really a good thing. Uh, does it cost anything for people to kick the tires on, on this idea? No. Um, I would suggest to anyone that has a rate above 
six and a half to call, have your mortgage statement handy. I can get a few easy pieces of information and just run the numbers. And it doesn't always make sense. You know, if you're at a six and a half to go to 6.375 doesn't do anything really, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you have, uh, you know, something in the sevens, for sure, if you have an FHA or a VA loan, which we call government loans, those rates have really come down, and they're easy, streamlined refinances. They don't require a lot, a lot of um, data or or paperwork, and they can be done quick and easy, and those are no-brainers. Okay. If people have those, they should look at the rates. Okay. And that number is 303-880-8881 for Lauren Levy. Um, Changing gears just a little bit, do you do New Year's resolutions? I try. I'm terrible um, at them. They don't last very long. I've always been a gym person, so to say I'm going to start going to the gym was never a big deal like a lot of mm-hmm. people, but um, I need to drop a few LBs, as they like to say, <laughs> and uh, so that's going to be my resolution. That's very my, American, well, I think. And my yeah. other one, my other one, and my wife will, she's always, is I need to do something about my lower back because it's been killing me for years, but I'm afraid of like the whole process. I'm afraid of hospitals and... yeah. But she wants me to be around for my kids' weddings and things when those come. So I'm going to have to look into something this year and figure this back problem out. You know, it's interesting you would say that. Uh, I have two friends that have had challenges with their backs. And, and, you know, back surgery, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm kind of like, ugh. But um, they've had real success. Well, that's great to hear. And so uh, I, I know it can be... A, it is one of the few surgeries you hear, like hip, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's like going to oil change now. Yeah. You know, they've got it so dialed in or knee replacement, but I've heard people with their backs say some had great re- results and other ones are like, I wish I never did it. So it's good to hear. Yeah. And so good luck on that. Well, and uh, and um, looking forward to all that we're going to do in 2024 with the show as well. And mm-hmm. you're such a valued sponsor. I greatly appreciate that. What's well, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good year. It is. And uh, so anything mortgages, reach out to Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. He works in uh, all the states except New York. And uh, he can help you with a new, uh, yeah, a new mortgage, a second mortgage, or a reverse mortgage. And uh, so, again, that's Lauren Levy. And I wish you much success in 2024. Thank you. Most of us have been there. That surprise crunch when you backed into a car in a parking lot or someone rear-ended you at a stoplight. First thing you do is stop and breathe. Second, say a prayer of gratitude that no one was hurt. Third, look for your insurance card. And fourth, be grateful that you have your insurance with Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance Agency. You can breathe easier knowing that you can reach the Roger Mangan team 24-7 when you need them. For that Roger Mangan State Farm Insurance peace of mind, call Roger Mangan today at 303-795-8855. That's 303-795-8855. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has nearly 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine works to protect your property rights at the local, county, state, and national level. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Working with realtor Karen Levine helps you navigate through the process of buying or selling your home. Call Karen Levine to help you buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516.
And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And wanted to say thank you to the Harris family for their gold sponsorship of the show. And also thank you to the National Shooting Sports Foundation for their goal sponsorship of the show as well. And the National Shooting Sports Foundation represents the nation's manufacturers, retailers, and distributors of firearms, optics, ammunition, and other related sporting goods and media. They also are a national leader in defending the right to keep and bear arms because if you can't legally produce, ship, and buy a firearm, you can't bear it. So again, I so appreciate uh, both of them. On the line with me is Trent Luce. Uh, We pre-recorded this show uh, and have all these special shows for you for Christmas week. Trent Luce is a sixth generation farmer and rancher. And Trent Luce, I, I will tell you just a little story regarding those cookies that I mentioned that I will be making from the lard that you're going those to spice gift me. Spice cookies. Spice cookies. And okay. so I had two uncles that served in World War II in the European theater. And my father had shared the story, he was younger, of remembering my grandmother uh, making those spice cookies and packing them in popcorn and sending them to Europe uh, for my uncles. And uh, they had shared that that was an amazing gift. So these, these cookies, I mean, I love them. I think they're really good, but I'm not sure if it's because they're so good or if it's because of all the memories. Because another memory regarding the Annie Annie Over that I mentioned in the first segment was my grandmother would make these cookies, and she was, uh, uh, well, first-generation German, and she ran a tight household. I mean, it was clean, it was organized, and uh, she uh, would make all these cookies, and she would have some in the front room, some on the dining room table, some out in the washroom, which was spick and span, and we as kids could just run through on the holidays and just grab cookies and just eat and run and i have that memory as well you've really intrigued me by talking about her as a an indentured servant so to speak for some sort of royalty in germany and then coming to omaha to kind of work off whatever arrangement they had i mean i would just love to know more about what exactly was involved in all of that who the people were where they're at today what they might have in terms of heirlooms that tie to your grandmother you know i need it's it's an interesting time i have a cousin one of my cousins is is really good on all that and i was thinking about this after uh, being at my father's services recently he just recently passed on is i think i need to go on the road i have three cousins out of those 24 that have just really kind of remembered the family lore and i think i need to take a, a take you know a microphone and take my phone and I think I need to record some interviews with that with them so that we have them for our next generation and that's you know I need to make a note on that that's on my list of things to do so I'm going to write that down right now on my day timer Trent Luce because you need I, to more than write that down Kim you need to follow through on that because I do not want to be talking to you five years from now and you say remember that day between Christmas and New Year's that we talked 
about I was going to do this. Well, I wish I would have got that done. Well, I, I put it on my calendar, and yes, so I need to get it done, but at least that will remind me to make that happen. What about you? Hey, I've shared my stories. What's your stories for Christmas? Well, I grew up in an orphanage, and... Uh, <laughs> And the other kids were mean to me, so what I would do is I would steal their food while they were sleeping. I did not grow up in an orphanage. I know. Yeah, but that was about as far as I could go. Okay. You know, I, I grew up very blessed because my grandparents lived five miles apart. And I often say that it's now. Now, was that your grandparent, your grandfather, and your grandmother lived five miles That's apart? A very good point. Yeah, <laughs> they couldn't get along, so they lived five miles apart to keep the family intact. <laughs> Both sets of my grandparents lived five miles apart from one another. My um, my mother and father were childhood sweethearts, actually. Oh went to high school together and graduated together and got married obviously we lost my dad six years ago to alzheimer's but from a childhood memory standpoint you know oh when you interrupted me i was starting to say that i often say today that it should not be a treat for your kids to see their grandparents and people look at you kind of wonky eyed like why wouldn't they want to see that no they it shouldn't be a treat meaning that they should be able to do that as often as possible instead of just being a treat at the holidays. And that kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier. But I, I grew up in the shadows of my grandparents every single day. In fact, my father and my grandfather, Luce, were uh, farming partners. And so every wow. day was involved in my with my grandfather. And Calvin J. Luce was my role model for life. You know, that was my, my grandfather. And there's so many things that... Uh, I think about every single day that came from Grandpa. When we get away from multi-generations growing and learning and making mistakes together, you lose something huge. You lose where your roots are. You really do. And... You know, with what is, I, do you think that's going to come back? I mean, I, I was recently in my hometown, small town. I, I feel there's going to be a resurgence of small towns because of all the crime and the disconnect and all that's happening in the cities. Do you think there's going to be a resurgence of people going home and going to these small towns? I absolutely do. I agree 100%. And in my 24 years of being in the public I and getting in places like Johnson County, Kansas. I think that's a great example of a place where, uh, you know, Shawnee Mission, Johnson County, uh, Overland Park, those Kansas City are are home to many of the nation's agricultural corporate headquarters. And Kim, I would see K State because we're talking about all Kansas all the time here today. I see young people from farms, they would go to K-State. Their father and their mother said, don't come back to the farm. It's just too hard of a life. You struggle every day. Get a degree in ag business and go work for one of those corporations. So they meet their love of their life. They go to Kansas City. And you know what? Every single one of them, and I could name some of them, but I won't. Every single one of them, after they've been in Kansas City or Overland Park or wherever in that Kansas City area for 10 years, you know what they all want? They want to they go want to back, raise don't their they? Kids where they, yeah, they want to go back and raise their kids the way they grew up. 
But the problem is somebody promised them a, a 2.3 kids. Well, now it's 1.7. They don't even get promised 2.3. 2.7 kids and a white picket fence and a beautiful home. And, and I often say that white picket fence then becomes this artificial barrier that they're afraid to leave what they feel is so comfortable and go back to where they were. And their kids are the one that pay the price. I'm mm -hmm. not telling you that everybody should raise their kids on the farm or, or wherever. It doesn't need to be a farm wherever you grew up. But what I'm saying is that if that's in your heart, you need to get it done and move beyond that fear because there's nothing more important than your kids and the amount of time they can spend with their grandparents. Boy, that's a, that's a really great point. And, and my my grandparents both uh, lived, uh, let's see, my paternal grandparents were about 40 miles, and my maternal grandparents were about 30 miles. And so, yeah, they were in my life big time. Being one of the younger ones over on my paternal um, uh, grandparent side. I didn't know them the way I really wanted to. So to your point, for me to go talk to my cousins is so important. So we're going to continue the conversation with Trent Luce, but wanted to mention the USMC Memorial Foundation. I, got, I guess we're talking about remembering, and the USMC Memorial Foundation is all about remembering those that have been willing to put their lives on the line. Or, or have given their lives for us and for liberty. And uh, as they're working through this project to raise the money for the remodel, you can help them and get more information, see what it's going to be uh, all about by going to USMCMemorialFoundation.org. That's USMCMemorialFoundation.org. Uh, and also our sponsors are why we get to do this. And one of those sponsors is Karen Levine. If you are 62 or older, a reverse mortgage could be a great tool regarding retirement and estate planning. It is essential to understand the process. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group has nearly 20 years in the mortgage industry and has the experience to answer your questions. Lauren understands that each financial transaction is personal. If you'd like to explore your options on a reverse mortgage, remodel your home, buy a rental property, or move, Call Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Licensed in 49 states, Kim Monson highly recommends Lauren Levy for all your mortgage needs. Call Lauren at 303-880-8881. Contact any of our KLZ programmers by calling the KLZ helpline at 303-481-1800. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter, and you can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. Thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice, and we search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. If something's a good idea, you should not have to force people to do it. And uh, did want to say thank you to the Harris family for their goal sponsorship of the show, and thank you to the National Shooting Sports Foundation for their 
Affairs, uh, goal sponsorship of the show as well. And uh, the National uh, Shooting Sports Foundation is known for the SHOT Show, which is out in Las Vegas, and that will be coming up here very soon in 2024. We are pre-recording the show, uh, all these shows, so that you have um, just, I mean, special guests and more time with them. And uh, Trent Luce is our guest here. He is a sixth-generation farmer and rancher. Before we get to that, I did want to mention a climate conversation. You can watch that now for free by going to a climateconversation.com. That's a climateconversation.com. And uh, as you're having these conversations, probably with um, uh, nephew Billy that's come home from college and wants to talk about the climate, this would be very informative for you. In fact, you might sit Billy down and uh, watch it together. That w- wouldn't that be a great idea, uh, Trent Luce? That sounds like a family unity project right there. <laughs> uh, you know what? I interviewed on one of my – well, and we were talking about kilts uh, just a moment. Well, we, I guess we were talking about kilts during the break. Uh, but uh, I have interviewed a guy that originally was from Scotland. He lives in Belgium now, and he writes a lot of books about – of World War II, um, and um, Martin King is his name. And uh, he said that uh, in at their holidays, that if they didn't come to blows, it wasn't a holiday. So uh, maybe that's what a climate conversation might happen. I don't know. Yeah, but the blow families have today are totally different. Because back in the day when they come to blows... They'd punch each other three times in the face. The blood would be everywhere. Then they'd sit back down and have a beer or a, a <laughs> popcorn ball together. Today, these these women get all mad at one another, and they stomp off, and it's not the same. No, it isn't the same. I decided I should just cut that women stomping off thing short. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, because otherwise you'll have more women stomping off. Speaking of which, well, they'll be stomping on. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, climate conversation. I had a, a dear friend who's a senator from North Dakota call me this week, and he said, hey, Trent, I knew he was at a, a meeting in Denver. I was supposed to be at, but I couldn't make it. And he said, I met this couple. They were a fantastic couple. They said they listened to you, and they gave me a DVD that I'm gonna, I got for you. I said, oh, climate conversation? <laughs> <laughs> You've already seen it? I said, yeah, I watched it right out, right out of the bat, Jeff. So he kind of burst his bubble, but he really enjoyed meeting them, and got the, he's probably watched that by now because he had not watched it when he called me. Well, and that was a big meet. I was actually out of town, so I was not able to be there, but I know that Walt and Ramey Johnson were there, and this was the brainchild of them. Uh, to just create this uh, a documentary, to have a, a conversation doing Socratic questioning. Now, a long time ago, I didn't know what the word Socratic meant, but it's, you know, that uh, Socrates and questioning and thoughtful questioning. And that's really, uh, really what we tried to accomplish with the, the film. And uh, people have said that we did a good job with that. And so when I facetiously say sit down with Billy to watch it, uh, it's not a knocking people over the head. And in fact, one of my cousins came up to me, my dad's services, and she said, that is really climate. It's really a hot issue. And of course, I said, no pun intended. She goes, yeah. But she said, I really appreciate just the style, the the way we went about it in the film. And so, again, you can go to climateconversation.com and watch it for free. Uh, I do know that Walt is giving out a number of these DVDs, and there was this big meeting uh, in uh, Denver just recently, and I know that there was a number of elected representatives that were there. So that's pretty cool, Trent Luce, because we're really working 
to um, make sure that this doesn't just end up on the shelf. And in fact, we are starting a climate conversation podcast. And we recorded our first podcast a week or so ago with Patrick Moore, who uh, was one of the co-founders of Greenpeace. It's such an interesting story. But when he realized that Greenpeace was no longer about saving the whales, but it was really about being anti-human and became a real political entity, he walked away from that, Trent. I did a panel discussion with Patrick Moore in 2000 in Pennsylvania. What year? That you cut out on that. What year? 2004. Okay. With uh, Patrick Moore, who's now, you know, really involved with the CO2 coalition as well. Right. But uh, it was intriguing that he, he, I'm not being critical, Patrick, but he started that thing. I mean, he's one of the founding members and then realized what he was thinking was wrong at the time. Well, I think. It wasn't just that he was pulled into the cult. He was part of the cult. He was creating the cult, which is still a cult. Well, I think I think that you know what I'm not sure that the one of the first things was is I think they were trying to stop some nuclear testing or something and we didn't I guess I didn't totally ask him this but he might still stand behind that component of it. You know, and I'm not sure. I have to think about that. So, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, they were in Alaska. I think so. Where people were still killing whales. Right? And they were trying to get a stand on why this was wrong and how we needed to keep these whales alive. And their big break came in that Walter Gronkite was breaking news from Alaska. And that launched Greenpeace. And then they tried to go around the world. But all of that is at the end of the Vietnam War. And what gets left out of the equation is the money machine that the Vietnam War was for the activists who were working against the Vietnam War. And then a horrible thing happened for the folks that were the activists against the Vietnam War. Their cash cow died. So they had to find a new rallying cry so that they could keep people in a state of frenzy and send money to be a part of a solution that wasn't a problem, only what they created as a perceived problem. And nothing has changed. So somewhere, Patrick Moore got a conscience and said, you know, if I'm going to work for a cause, I need to work for the right cause instead of one that just generates money. Right. But going back just a little bit, I think he really was about saving the whales. But I think then he had this aha moment where he's like, wait a minute. This these people are uh, don't like human beings and they, uh, you know, they have an agenda. There's, as you mentioned, this money machine. And that's where he parted ways. And uh, so, I mean, he, he cares. He still cares deeply, I think, about the environment. But he's very involved, as you said, with the CO2 coalition. CO2 is actually actually plant food. People need to understand that. And uh, then he also uh, has been very supportive of the film, of a climate conversation. And I was talking with some young people recently, and we were talking about the World Economic Forum and where we are now. And they said, you know, these elitists are no longer about saving, you know, the climate or, you know, saving you know, whatever, fill it, endangered species. It is now about that you can call them extinctionists. And that is bringing on the extinction 
of human beings. And that was pretty strong words, but this was from young people that I didn't expect to hear that from, Trent Luce. All you need to do is look at the CO2 fight. CO2 is in the atmosphere 430 parts per million. CO2 feeds plants. Plants, as a result of that photosynthesis, not only grow to feed other living things, they produce oxygen. The only source of oxygen is CO2. If you continue to limit the supply of CO2 in the atmosphere, you will limit oxygen production. And we are not fish. We require oxygen to survive. Boy, I hadn't really connected that dot yet. Gee, many. I mean, I've, co- con- now, I've connected the food you dot. Now you want to be a mermaid where you can live both land or sea? <laughs> That's only in the movies, and that used to be in Disney movies, but not anymore. <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> we won't go down that road right now. <laughs> so, well, they did create Doritos. What? Disney created Doritos It was a guy working at Disney That wanted a lure to bring kids To their worlds of fun And so they thought they would Provide toxic poison It's not toxic But when you consume too many Doritos It's not healthy And that was all created by Disney Boy they were tasty though I haven't had a Dorito in a long time But I did like them They were tasty That was my favorite high school snack and I had to do it at school because my mom wouldn't let me drink Mountain Dew and eat Doritos at all. (laughs) That's healthy. Do you know I've never had a Mountain Dew? Now, uh, my brother drinks a lot of Mountain Dew. I have never had a Mountain Dew. I never tasted it. I don't think I've had a soft drink in over 10 years. But you know what the original Mountain Dew is, correct? Uh, no. Moonshine. Mountain Dew was named after moonshine because it was distilled in the mountains. It's the Mountain Dew. Got it. Okay. Once they made... Moonshine's not illegal, by the way. You can still make and drink moonshine. But you go blind, right? No. You see better. (laughs) Do you? you, And you get more creative. And you do things you didn't think you could previously do. And you're so much smarter, too, right? (laughs) Exactly. It does wear off. But... uh, it's just illegal to sell moonshine. You can brew it and drink it or distill it. Okay, but, okay, I'm going to leave that but <laughs> out there because that, that brings up a whole other thing to, uh, that I want to talk about with you on that. But there's two things that I want to talk about first. One is the Center for American Values. I'm sure they're so excited that we're talking about moonshine and the Center for American Values. So I need to give the disclaimer that they are nonpartisan. And they are non-political. They are focused on honoring our Medal of Honor recipients and then instilling these American values in ourselves and our kids through these educational programs of honor, integrity, and patriotism. And you can get more information by going to AmericanValueCenter.org. That's their website, AmericanValueCenter.org. And then also wanted to mention Janssen Photography as we're looking into 2024. Uh, and you're looking at, you know, your your New Year's resolutions, doing more in your career, maybe doing something in politics. You need that great photo. And uh, first impressions are so important, and Jansen Photography can help with that. So go to jansenphotography.com. That's Jansen, J-A-N-S-S-E-N, photography.com. We get to do these discussions, have these discussions because of our sponsors, and one of those is Bozen Law.
Boston Law fights for clients who've been injured or family members who have lost a loved one due to the careless, reckless, or wrongful conduct of others. Whether injured in a car accident, suffered an injury due to a product or bad pharmaceutical drug, or need help fighting for medical care and benefits following an accident at work, don't go it alone and uninformed. Boston Law is the law firm you need in your corner. Time is of the essence with any personal injury claim. Call 303-999-9999 to schedule your complimentary consultation. That number again is 303-999-9999. Call now. Focused and wise marketing is essential for your success, especially during tough economic times. If you love the Kim Munson Show, strive for excellence and understand the importance of engaging in the battle of ideas that is raging in America. Then talk with Kim about partnership, sponsorship opportunities. Email Kim at KimMunson.com. Kim focuses on creating relationships with individuals and businesses that are tops in their fields. So they are the trusted experts listeners turn to when looking for products or services. Kim personally endorses each of her sponsors. Again, reach out to Kim at KimMunson.com. Franktown Firearms Training Programs have something for every age and skill level in the friendliest gun range in town. With highly skilled men and women instructors, you're sure to find the right instructor for your needs. Franktown's 10-lane, 30-yard shooting range provides the right place to train where you feel confident and ready to learn. Whether you're a beginner or a seasoned veteran, Franktown Firearms will meet your needs. Training runs from simple gun safety and care to obtain your concealed carry permit or honing your skills with advanced tactical moving and shooting. The Special Forces Green Beret trainer has you covered. And women, you won't want to miss Ladies' Night the first Friday of each month where you can bond and train together. Gift certificates for training are available over anything in their fully stocked store. And Franktown is a faster Colorado certified training site. Just go to klzradio.com slash franktown to get shooting today. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly email newsletter. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. We've pre-recorded these shows for the week of Christmas, and uh, they are special. They're entertaining. It's always entertaining when it's uh, Trent Loose on the show and we have no um, script or focus. Who knows what's going to happen? Trent Loose, we're talking about... What are you talking about? (laughs) We're talking about Mountain Dew. You said Mountain Dew was actually the original Mountain Dew was moonshine. And uh, uh, wasn't that how NASCAR began was? Um, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Outrunning from regulators. Yeah. And <laughs> so you should be thankful to the moonshiners of America, particularly those in the Appalachians, because prohibition was a test to see if they could get people to comply with what federal regulations were. The moonshiners were just in your face, like, you're not going to shut us down. We'll go to the mountains. We'll do this where you can't find it. We'll distribute this ourselves. And after a period of time, the federal government realized we can't control this, so we might as well tax it. Oh, so that's why they then that's why it was legalized so that they could tax it. Of course. Absolutely. It was about money. Of course. 
Yeah, but because first it, they wanted to see if they could control people by completely outlawing it and shutting it down. And they figured out that people were going to rebel. And every time that there's a test that comes from the federal government, we need to think about the moonshiners and why we should rebel. Now, I want to have that discussion about the tax because now it's just not really a good situation. And what is happening in the alcohol world and the food, food and beverage uh, along the, both lines and the monopolies that occur mm-hmm. and how it removes choice for individual citizens, that's a whole different story. But the federal government recognized that we can't stop this, so we better tax it. Uh-huh. Of course they did. That's exactly if it, uh, yeah, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. But NASCAR came out of that because the moonshiners would actually be creative and innovative so that they could make their cars faster than the um well, I hate to use law enforcement, but yeah, I guess that would be law enforcement. And so there was all that creativity in that industry, right? Absolutely. They had to have a fast car to get away. So speaking of cars, uh, let's uh, do a segue. And I mentioned this during uh, our break. I said, do you know Lauren Fix, Car Coach Reports, because she was my featured guest today, uh, which was live and and we're recording now for Christmas. And uh, she said, and and she really talks about all things cars, but she was pretty whipped up about this. We've had conversations about this, but in right now through the, uh, was it, oh gosh, was it the Inflation Reduction Act of 2021? I think it is. Uh, There was inserted in there by Moms Against or Mothers Against Drunk Driving under the guise of trying to protect people from drunk drivers, this uh, kill switch that will be on all 2026 uh, models. And what Lauren said is, is there's technology that will be in your rearview mirror that will assess everything that's going on in the car. Uh, so, you know, if, if a conversation might get heated or something might be going on with the kids or but it, it will just it will just recognize if there's things going on through eye movements, a variety of things. And if this data data is then put into a computer that's in the car and the computer says that uh, something's going on and you, the driver, are not safe to operate the vehicle, it creates a kill switch and you will not be able to drive your car and not quite sure how to dis, you know to get past the kill switch jail this is in legislation right now coming down the pike unless we can get congress to change that trent luce yeah good luck getting congress to be a part of any solution right but- I mean, but it's absolutely spot on. I see this happening, and it leads me into, Kim, I don't, I've never done New Year's resolutions. I think that's ridiculous because the average New Year's resolution lasts 17 days, so why prop, you up, prop yourself up for something you can't live up to? But I am making a personal declaration, January 1st, 2024. I'm no longer going to use things that are convenient because everything that comes to us as a matter of convenience, including your search engine, including your email, including your GPS, all of these, all of these things that come to you a matter of convenience are the most amazing voluntary tracking methods you have ever imagined in your wildest dreams. And I'm turning them off. I'm not going to be a part of it. You're going to track me. You're going to have to work harder than you've done in the past, Kim Munson, because I'm not doing what's convenient for you to watch where I'm at 360. 
Okay, so what are you going to, but how are we going to do our interviews if you don't have like a cell phone? I'll have a cell phone, but I'm going to have, a, I found a cell phone, a guy in Texas who is building cell phones that have zero tracking ability. I've never used GPS. I've never had it on. I've never had my location on. I just don't do it. But he has built a phone specifically for this purpose, and I'm getting off of Google. I'm getting off of anything. My email's changing. My phone's changing. Every And all these apps, have you really learned? You know how convenient it is to log into any program you want to get into just by using your Google entry? Every time you do that, you've just created a record, and they know exactly what's going on. It's the same thing that Lauren was talking about, going into this computer and all this data, and they develop your profile. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm checking out. But I love the fact that you got a little sentimental that you thought I wasn't going to be able to contact January 1st. I, that, that I really like. We form, it was formerly a Trent Loose Wednesday, but 2024. Well, I'm glad to know that, uh, that that's not going to change. So, hey, Trent, we've got just uh, – we probably have about, oh, maybe – three minutes left and again this is our our show for christmas week what's what's the final thoughts you want to leave with our listeners you know i'm going to leave our listeners with uh, the thoughts about some things we've talked about let's just talk about your grandmother you said something that hit me really strange your grandmother lived in a life of indentured servitude in germany she got her freedom came to the united states and then she went to live in a sod home in the western plains of Kansas, and you thought about how tough that life was. That life was tough. There is no doubt about it, and there are very few people that could exist in that manner today. But because those individuals, those pioneering spirits that came before us, way we have found a way to live a life of luxury. We truly live a yes. life of luxury. And we take so many of these things for granted. If you do a better job of learning your own family history, trust me, you'll take fewer things for granted in today's world. And I think that's the best way to charge into the new year, Kim Munson. Well, I, I appreciate that. And uh, okay, and we've got just a little bit more time. So there is just this real interest in, you know, Ancestry.com, but they I don't think that can I'm ever sure tell you. they don't you. track you at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. But, Maybe you should go look it up in the family books instead of Ancestry.com. I'm just saying. It, exactly, because there's no way, there's no way that we can know these stories and we need to, to do the work to know these stories so, so that we can pass them on to the next generations. And I, I guess I'll just end with this, with America. You know, America was founded on this idea of what can we pass on to the next generation. And I think in some ways we've gotten away from thinking about our next generations. And uh, I think that's what makes a society great is when we think about what is it that we'll pass on to the next generation. We protect it and we preserve it. And conserve it. That's the where the word conservat- uh, conservatism comes from. And so we've got a lot of work to do in 2024. Last question. Are you encouraged or what do you think about 2024? Well, 2024 is going to be the toughest year of our life. But we've become more aware and we have built a community to take it on as a team. So I have never been more optimistic. Love Thanks it. Thanks to partners like you. 
And right back at you, Trent Luce, and uh, engaging in this battle of ideas, which you do every day, is so important. So I will look forward to seeing you very soon in 2024. Trent Luce, I wish uh, your whole family, I hope you had a great Merry Christmas. And, uh, yes, we've got a lot to do in 2024. I wore a green and red rag, just so you know, on Christmas Day. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling that was the answer. So, Okay, my friends, and uh, because of the conversation we had in hour one with uh, Alan Thomas, we went to the JFK quote of, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And so, my friends, today be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals. And like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. And I don't want no one to cry, but tell them if I don't survive. Views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country Station.